0: How we doing tonight, exchange? How we feeling? Love it. So glad to be in the room with you all tonight. Hey, help me welcome back our SCU students. They just came back from a mission trip to Africa. So proud of them. So excited for all that God is doing there. Help me welcome everyone joining for the first time too. Let's put our hands together. We're so glad you are here. Tonight, my name is Mark. I get the privilege of serving as the college and young adult pastor at Grace Family Church, and we're so pumped that you're joining us. Uh, Tonight, we're in week five of a series called Soul Care. And yes, I said week five, so if it's your first time, I wanna just encourage you, go back and give the previous weeks a listen. And as I was preparing for our talk tonight, we're gonna be talking about the soul. I came across um, an article, a news article from 2013, and it actually took place in Hillsborough County. If you don't know, we're in Hillsborough County. Yes, it's part of Tampa. Uh, And it happened, uh, this is what happened. It was a man by the name of Jeffrey Bush, and Jeffrey Bush, one night he was sleeping. In the middle of the night, about 11 p.m., suddenly, his house gave way to a sinkhole. His house falls through a sinkhole, and immediately, he was dead. Immediately he was dead and what's interesting about this is Jeffrey Bush. He had owned this house for many years In fact, this was a house that was passed on from generation to generation throughout his family and it was a, such a sudden event But what science actually tells us or what research would say is that parts of Florida what takes place is there's limestone That's between the surfaces of the earth and slowly it dissolves because of acidic rain there's limestone between the surfaces of the earth and slowly it dissolves, slowly it erodes to the point of a sinkhole because of acidic rain. And I believe interestingly enough, many of us, we experience something similar internally. Many of us experience something internally that's like a sinkhole syndrome. I wanna call it the sinkhole syndrome. You see, many of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe we experience some heartbreak in our life. Maybe we go through a difficult season where we're feeling a feeling of rejection or emotion of rejection. Maybe for you, it's a feeling of, man, I'm not good enough, or I'm inferior, or maybe for you, it comes about in a season where uh, maybe job after job falls through, or maybe for you, it's when you're not doing well in school, and suddenly, you start feeling internally like life is broken, like your heart's broken, not only your heart, but your soul is broken, and slowly, you feel what we call the sinkhole syndrome. And in fact, a man by the name of Gordon McDonald, he would say, each of us, in a sense, what we, what we have is, we have two worlds that each of us have to manage. There's an outer world, which is centered on our appearance, it's centered on what we do, it's centered on our careers, it's centered on all of these things on the exterior. And there's an inner world that we have to manage as well. And the inner world that we have, it's, it's connected to our purpose, it's connected to our spirit, it's connected to our character. But the truth of it is, the outer world, how many of you know, it's so much easier to manage, it's so much easier to keep tabs of because why, it's visible. We can see it when we look in the mirror, but there's something inside of us. Our inner lives, that so often we forget about. So often our inner lives, what takes place inside of us, it's so much harder to navigate, it's so much harder to provide care for. And today, I wonder if the reason why internally you feel broken, maybe internally your soul feels crushed, maybe internally you feel like your world is caving in, is because you've neglected your soul. It's because you have neglected your soul. And today, I want to talk to you from this idea in week five of our series called Soul Care. I want to talk to you from this idea of the soul cure. I want to talk to you from the idea of the soul cure. You see, the soul, it's the most important part of you. It's like the nucleus of our life. It's what keeps us all together. The soul, it's the innermost part of us. It's the essence of our being. And I believe our greatest problem today is that a lot of us are spending more time on the exterior than the interior. I believe many of us today, what we're doing, we're spending more time on this body that will pass away and not enough time on the one thing that is eternal and that will go with us forever. I once heard it said this way, there's a part of you that no one can see, not even you, but it's real and, it's matter- and it matters and it's your soul. There's a part of us that we can't see and it's our soul, it's the innermost part of us and I think the problem is that we don't talk about the soul enough, we, we don't check up on our souls enough, we don't think about our soul enough, we address all the exterior parts of us. We go to the gym, we work out, we get work done, Oof, did he say that? Yeah, I did. Anyways, we do all of these different things to change our outward appearance. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We'd be at the gym like, I don't like how this looks. I got to tighten this up. Or you're like taking the selfie. Why do I look like that? Like, do I really look like that? You start asking, do I really look like that? Like, we start focusing on the outward appearance, and I even think so many of us today, what we're doing, we're losing track of the condition of our soul. We're so focused on the external that we're losing track of the condition of the internal. Too many of us, we're running ourselves ragged, focusing on that which is meaningless and find ourselves empty because at the core, there's something that's eroding. There's something that's decaying. There's something that's falling apart and chances are, friend, it's your soul. So my question is, how's your soul? My question for you tonight is this, how is your soul? And I think if we're to be honest with ourselves tonight, a lot of us would say, probably not well. So many times in my life where I'm sitting there saying, like, what is going on with me? And when I look internally, I realize there's something taking place in my soul. And I want us to be honest with ourselves tonight, because I believe if we're honest with ourselves, we can find healing. I believe when we get honest with ourselves, we can get the help that we need to find healing. And I want you to know tonight, our souls are suffering. Our souls are in need of care but we can never help our souls. We can never get care to our souls if we never go to the creator of our souls. I kind of want to be foundational here in a moment because in Genesis chapter 2, we would see a part of the creation story. God would give breath to a man by the name of Adam, and as he gave breath to him, he breathed into life, and a soul came about within him. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust on the ground, of the ground, He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Everybody say a living person. Come on, say a living person. You see the phrase a living person or a living being translated in the original language in the Old Testament, which would be Hebrew, it actually means a word nefresh. Nefresh. So the word living being or living person, when you translate it and look at it in the original language, which means nefresh, nefresh actually means soul. So that means in that moment when God created man, he created him, he gave him a soul. When he breathed life into Adam, he breathed a soul into him. So for us to have a soul means that we have life. For us to have life means we have a soul. I love what a man by the name of Dallas Willard says about the soul. He says, you are a soul made by God, made for God, made to need God, which means you're not able to be self-sufficient. I want you to get that last part, which means you are not made to be self-sufficient. Friends, we can't help our own souls. We got to go to the creator of our souls, and his name is God. We can't help ourselves. There's nothing we can do to take care of what's within us. We need to go to the creator of the soul. And you see, man was given a soul, and that soul craves God. And our souls need God. If we're going to provide care for our souls, we have to go to the creator, I love what the Bible says in Psalm 84, verse two, we got it here on the screen, it says, the psalmist says this, my soul my soul yearns for God. My, My soul longs for God, my soul faints for God. This is a man that he's saying, God, my soul cries out for you. God, my soul is weak without you. God, my soul is faint for you. Has anyone in the room ever fainted? Show of hands, show of hands. Wow, a lot of us, and I'm not gonna ask you why. I remember when I was a kid, um, my parents didn't believe in me like going to the barber shop to get a professional haircut. So my barber was my father. God bless. And I remember one day I was just tired of like the low boy, the little fade. So I was like, "Yo, dad, give me a mohawk." I mean, you know, your boy did not get a mohawk. The furthest thing from a mohawk. So my dad's cutting my hair, and I remember, he tells me, son, go look in the mirror, I'm done. I go make my way over to the mirror, I literally faint from seeing myself. No, that's not what happened. What happened was, <laughs> what happened was I go over and I start taking some steps and suddenly my body just starts feeling super weak. and My legs literally fall out from underneath me. It's early in the morning, I'm in my dad's bathroom and I pass out on the ground. I fainted on the spot. And I remember in that moment I faint and I wake up with a pack of Oreos on my chest. My dad was like stuffing Oreos down my mouth just trying to trying to get something in my body to give me some strength. <laughs> Definitely wasn't nourishment. <laughs> He's like stuffing these Oreos down my chest just trying to strengthen my body and get something in me so I could get some strength. And you know I, I share that story Because so many of us in the room tonight, we need to acknowledge our souls are weak, our souls are faint, our souls are in need of help, and we need our Heavenly Father to come and revive our soul. We need our Heavenly Father to come and strengthen us. We need our Heavenly Father to come bring life to our soul again. We can't do it on our own. I'm gonna keep preaching this because I think that that's the biggest problem today. I know I said this in week one of the series, but we first named the series Self-Care. And I think the biggest challenge in the world today is too many people believe they can take care of themselves and they're not going to their creator. So I just want to urge you today, understand our greatest problem is when we get into this mindset or this thought pattern that we can be the answer to our greatest problem. All the way from the beginning of time, you look at the story in Genesis, we were never the answer to our problem. We needed a savior. So because we have these weak souls, I encourage you today, I implore you today to really, really, really lean into the idea you can't fix yourself, you need someone greater. And I know this is kind of like one of those in-your-face messages, but I believe this is a message that will change your life. It'll change your life. We need to understand we can't help our self. See, the truth is we'll, we'll never, though, be able to get the help we need or be able to get the help that our souls need, if we continue to live in these busy lives with all these different things that we take on or take on our plate, all the different rhythms that we have, the unhealthy routines that we adopt to or the unhealthy rhythms of life and the misplaced priorities and the sin that we have. I don't think we'll ever be able to fix the brokenness within our souls unless we change some things about our life and I want us to be honest because I believe I believe we spend more time with friends. I believe we spend more time with our boyfriend or girlfriend, our significant other. I believe we spend more time hanging out, working out, going to the club, trying to enjoy the nightlife, doing all of these things, more so than we spend time with God. And I believe if you want to, or if we want to find care for our souls, if we want to find rest and peace for our souls, we need to make God a priority. Has anyone ever met like a super needy person? I literally was having a conversation with somebody, a young adult last week, and they're like, believe it or not, Pastor Mark, this person's so needy, that's a moment for you to like come alongside of them and pastor them. You're complaining about their neediness? Come on, friend. Anybody ever meet like a super needy person? They're just kind of like super naggy. (laughs) See, we all think about a person, but can I tell you the truth? There's a needy person within you, it's your soul there's a needy person within you. It's called your soul. There's an author uh, of a a book, and his name is Hans Walter Wolof. What a name. God bless him. (laughs) He wrote this book about the soul, and he titled the writing The Needy Man. He titled the writing The Needy Man because the truth of it is our souls are needy, but I want to submit this thought to you tonight. Our neediness isn't our problem. Our fallenness is. Our neediness has never been the problem. Our fallenness is, and our need was meant to point us to God, our creator. Our neediness was to point us to the Savior of the world. But sin took place, and it pointed us in the other direction. Sin came in, it crept in, and it pointed us in the other direction. And what we all begin to do as a people, as humanity, we place people, passions, the desires of the flesh above our need for God. We got it so wrong in this day and age. We place people and our passions and all of these different things above our need for God. And I really feel passionate about this because I I felt this in my own life. I've experienced this in my own life. And what I want you to know is the enemy. The enemy has such a part to play when it comes to this topic of the soul. See, the enemy, he wants you to continue to go after your fleshly desires. The enemy wants you to continue to focus on your relationship with that guy or that girl over a relationship with him. The enemy wants you to continue to get lost in your busy routine. The enemy wants you to continue to get lost in your busy rhythms of life. And I need you to understand this today. There is a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your soul. John chapter 10, the Bible says the enemy comes, he comes to seek, kill, and destroy your soul. So many of you need to understand the enemy is after your soul. And as you have these busy routines, as you take on all of these different things in your life, what he wants you to do is take your attention off of God. And I think so many of us, even as the body of Christ Christians, I think we're so confused because we believe a win for the enemy is when the enemy gets us to follow after him. We believe victory is when the enemy gets us to follow after him. I want you to redefine your thinking or refocus your thinking. The win for the enemy is not for you to necessarily just follow after him. The win for the enemy is to get your attention off of God. The win for the enemy is to get you to focus on anything other than God. But so many of us don't realize we are just giving in to the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. There is a battle for your soul. And decision by decision, mistake after mistake creeps in, and moment after moment uh, creeps in, and all we do is we fall into the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. We don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. And what we're doing is we're falling into the schemes of the enemy, but we're forfeiting our soul. I'm reminded of one of the most prolific statements by Jesus, and Jesus, he's preaching to a crowd, he's preaching to his disciples, he's preaching to his followers. And in Mark chapter 8, Jesus would say this He would say in Mark chapter 8, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? What do you gain if you gain the world but lose your soul? I remember when I was a kid. I'm going to tell another story about when I was a kid. I remember I played recreational basketball. Anybody play like AAU basketball, travel league, or anything like that? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. I remember when I was a kid, um, we would play different teams all around the area and in Tampa, and I remember one time we show up to our game, and um, it was two problems, really. There was two problems. Um, My team, we were a little puny. We were a little small. The other team, they look like miniature LeBron James, right? And and the other problem was this. Only four of us showed up to the game, and there were like 25 people deep. So game's getting ready to start. We're all looking at each other like, are we really about to do this? And coach is like, come on, guys, we got this. And all of us internally were like, no way, right? So finally the game starts, and within the first quarter, I kid you not, like, yo, they, they, they just smacked us. Like, there's no other way to say it. Like, I remember, like, what is happening right now? And I remember, Coach, the end of the quarter, walks out into the middle of the court, and he goes, that's it, we forfeit! All the parents are like, we pay money for this, league You bet not! He's like, we forfeit! And he walks over to the sideline where we're all sitting, and he's like, boys, we forfeit. We're like six years old. What do you mean, Coach, we forfeit? What does that mean, Coach? <laughs> Coach, what do you mean we forfeit? (laughs) He's like, we're throwing the towel in. We're giving up. I'm like, what? Don't let my daddy hear you say that. He's like, that's it. Game's over. We'll get him next week. I'm like, no, we won't. Anyways. But as he's sitting there telling us, that's it. We forfeit. We throw the towel in. We give up. How many of you know forfeiting isn't losing. Forfeiting is giving up. Forfeiting isn't losing, forfeiting is giving up. And you see, too many of us, what we're doing, we're giving up our souls to the schemes of the enemy. Too many of us, we're trading in, we're losing our souls to the scheme of the enemy. We're actually giving up our calling for a career. Some of us, we're giving up our purpose for a paycheck. Some of us, we're giving up a relationship with a significant or with our Savior for a significant other. We're falling into the schemes of the enemy. We're forfeiting our soul. We're losing our soul little by little, little. And you see, I I love this story in the Bible. There's a man by the name of Judas. And Judas, he was a follower of Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus. He was one of the 12. He hung out with Jesus. He did life with Jesus. And right there in Mark chapter eight, when Jesus says, what profit is it for a man to gain the world but lose his own? Judas was one of the many people that heard him say that. But moments after that, Judas not only forfeited his soul, he sold his soul. See what's so interesting about Judas is Judas, he was a man that walked alongside of Jesus for the term of his ministry all three years. He saw Jesus perform miracles. He saw Jesus heal men. He saw Jesus teach to the masses. He heard the words of wisdom that left the mouth of Jesus. He sat under the teachings Of Jesus, but here he now finds himself not only forfeiting his soul, but selling his soul. Look at this in Matthew chapter 26. It says this Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest. He asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? They gave him 30 pieces of silver. So Judas, he, he betrays Jesus, the savior of the world, after walking with Jesus for all of these years, and he, he did it for 30 pieces of silver. But when you, what you learn when you look at the story of Judas's, this wasn't Judas's only challenge or moment where he experienced some challenge. You see, Judas, he really struggled all throughout his life. Judas had continuously compromised. He had made a number of decisions that brought him to this moment where he's trading in his his soul, where he's trading in the savior of the world for 30 pieces of silver. And I think when we look at the story of Judas, it's a picture of us. Because each and every one of us, we need to be honest with ourselves and say at some point in our lives, we have betrayed Jesus by sinning. And we've made small compromises over the term of our life. But you see, Judas's only problem, or it wasn't his only problem that he had compromised, but he also had misplaced priorities. Judas, he had misplaced priorities all throughout his life. I think about in John chapter 12, there's a moment where Mary, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, she's a follower of Jesus, she loves the Lord so much, and she pulls out this bottle of perfume. She she gets on her feet and she starts cleansing Jesus' feet with the perfume. She then starts to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair, and it was a sign of her devotion and her love to the Lord. And in this moment, the Bible says in one of the gospel accounts that a group of people that were witnessing this, they all murmured, what are we doing here? Why are we wasting the perfume on this man? And if you actually read it in John chapter 12, when you read the story in John chapter 12, you don't see it was a crowd that said it. You see that it was Judas who said it. You see, Judas, in that moment, Judas says, what are we doing? Why are we wasting the oil, this precious, expensive perfume, on the feet of Jesus? Surely we could sell this oil. Surely we could sell it, and we could make profit, and we could bless the poor. We could bless the needy with it. And if you continue reading in verse 6, it begins to clarify that Judas was never concerned about the poor. Judas was never concerned about the needy. In fact, the Bible says that Judas, he was the treasurer. He was in charge of keeping the bag of money, the money bag that all of the disciples and Jesus would live off of. And the Bible says not only would he keep it, he would steal out of that money. He he would steal from that money. He, He was robbing the savior of the world. And that's a perfect picture of the greed that was in his heart. It was a perfect picture of the greed that was in his heart. How do you destroy your soul? Small compromise after small compromise one bad decision after another bad decision. You know what's so interesting to me? It it takes a whole lifetime to have a great legacy, but it takes one stupid decision to wreck everything that you have. It it takes a lifetime to have an amazing legacy, to have a great story that will go on from generation to generation, but one bad decision for Judas, one greedy decision, one selfish decision ruined his reputation. He, He was a man that compromised. And after a while, not only do do we see, excuse me, that Judas, he would compromise, we would learn that Judas had unrepentant sin in his life. He was unrepentant about the sin in his life. You see, Judas, he was living with a prideful heart. He, He was a man that was living with a prideful heart and a sinful heart, and in John 13, the disciples and Jesus, they're all sitting down for a meal. And as they're all sitting down for a meal, Jesus, he would suddenly look at the disciples and he would say, one of you, One of you will betray me, one of you will betray me. And all of the disciples, they stop in that moment and they look at Jesus and they ask the question, Lord, surely not I, surely not I, and when I first read it I thought they were like an emphatic no, Jesus, like no, I won't, I won't betray you, Jesus, but they posed a question because what they already knew is that they all betrayed him because they sinned against him, but they were never gonna leave his side. But what's so interesting about it, there was one disciple by the name of Judas. And in that moment, as all of the disciples at the table except for Judas said, surely not I, Lord? Judas, he doesn't respond. Instead, he gets up from the table and he leaves the room. He gets up from the table, he leaves the room, he isolates himself. He leaves the room in that moment, he isolates himself. He walks out, he gets off of the scene and he knows deep down within his heart what's going to take place. And when you read the rest of the story, you know that yes, Judas, he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But after he isolates himself and after he recognizes he sinned against the Lord, what does he do? He kills himself. He hangs himself. He hangs himself in this moment, and tonight, maybe you have a crushed soul because you realize you've been putting some other things in front of God. Maybe you realize you have compromised your relationship with God. Maybe you realize there's some sin in your life that you have yet to reveal to God and to others, but I want you to know the answer to your crushed soul is never to leave the purpose and the the calling that God has put on your life. It's never to flee from the presence of God. The answer to your crushed soul is never to take your own life. The answer to your burdened heart is never to isolate yourself. And I think too many of us today, we really need to be reminded the answer to a broken heart, to a broken soul, to a burdened soul, to a crushed soul, is to run to the presence of God. To be seated at the table. But what did Judas do? No, he gets up from the table, he isolates himself. He takes matters into his own hand and he does exactly what the enemy wanted him to do. Take his life. The enemy all along, it was a part of his scheme. It was a part of the scheme for Judas to first start being greedy and then after that be prideful and then isolate. It was all a part of the tactics of the enemy all all the way to get him to this point of no return. It was the tactics and the works of the enemy that got Judas to this point of no return. And I just want to be real tonight because there has been so many moments in my life. There's been so many moments in my life where I realize I'm living with this burdened soul. I'm struggling, Lord. I've got this crushed soul. God, I need your help. God, I don't know what to do. God, I've compromised. I've sinned against you. I don't know who I can talk to about these different things. Lord, I know there's misplaced priorities. I know, God, I put other things in front of you. And there's been so many times that this has happened to me, but I just need you to understand today, running from God's presence, self-sabotage and self-harm is never the answer. It's never the answer. We've got to run to God. We've got to be seated at the table. We've got to cry out to God in what we call repentance. It's when we turn from our sin. It's when we acknowledge our sin and confess it to God. We say, God, I've sinned against you. God, I need your help. God, my soul is crushed. God, my soul is weak. God, my soul is burdened. But God, I know there's hope in you. God, I know you are healer. God, I know you are redeemer. God, I know you will come through in this moment. I need you, God. I need you, God. We can't take it into our own hands. We can't fall into this title of self-care. I think tonight in the room there's, there's a crushed soul, there's a weary soul, there's, there's a broken soul, there's a hurting soul tonight. I believe in the room, deep down within somebody in the room, you feel like your life is falling apart. Just like the sinkhole syndrome, you feel like your life is caving in. You feel like nothing good is taking place in your life. You feel broken, you feel crushed, but I need you to understand there is a cure for the crushed soul. And his name is Jesus. I really want you to understand, everybody take notes of these next two points. Because tonight, if you're experiencing a crushed soul, I want you to understand, the first thing we need is freedom. Your crushed soul, your broken soul, it needs freedom. And when I say freedom, I mean we need healing. Some of you tonight, you need healing from the past. Some of you tonight, you need healing from decisions that you may have made in the past. Some of you, you need freedom from the hurt that you experienced in that relationship. Some of you, you need freedom from the hurt that that person spoke over you in your childhood. Some of you need freedom from the physical abuse, the emotional abuse, the mental abuse that you experienced. Some of you need freedom from the guilt and the shame that you have, and you've been carrying this all alone. Friend, you need freedom for your crushed soul. You need freedom. And not only that, for some of you tonight, your ability to find freedom is dependent on your ability to forgive others. Your ability to find freedom is contingent on your ability to forgive others. Your crushed soul, your burdened soul, is in need of freedom. I'm going to invite the band up in this moment, because the second thing I want you to understand as we get ready to close tonight Is not only do our souls need freedom, not only do our crushed souls need freedom, not only do our burdened souls need freedom, our souls also need a father. Our souls, our souls need a father. For you, maybe for you, you're experiencing pain because maybe your father, your earthly father, walked out on you many years ago. I want you to know there is a father that you could depend on. He is a faithful father. The Bible tells us he will never lead your side, and he is a good, good father. He's a good, good father. The soul needs a father. The crushed soul needs a father. The burdened soul, it needs a father. And for you, your soul, to be well, for your soul to be well, it desires a father. I often think about this. Just as a newborn, it needs its mother and its father. Your soul, friend, it needs you. Your soul needs a father, your soul needs a good, good father, and his name is God. Just as a child needs a parent, so your soul needs its creator. Maybe for you tonight, you've been falling into this place where you're experiencing a broken soul or a crushed soul, and maybe for you, the common trend in your language has been, you know, I just need a vacation. I find myself so often saying that, I just need a break, or... I just need to get away from things. I want you to know that is never the answer to your crushed soul. Although that may help, although that may alleviate some of, the ten- uh, some of the tension you're experiencing, that will never be sustainable for your soul. The answer to a crushed soul is surely freedom. The answer to a burdened soul is surely a father. But for some of you, the thing that's stopping you from going to God is the sins that you've committed in your past. For some of you, the, things that's, the thing that's stopping you from going to the Father is your doubt. For some of you, it's your shame. For some of you, it's your insecurities. And I believe just like Judas, Judas believed after all he had done, there was no turning back. Some of us feel we have done far too much We've made way too many bad decisions. We've made way too many mistakes in the past. We can't turn back to God. God won't forgive us our sin. God won't take us back. And I'm here to tell you that is a lie from the enemy. Because just like Judas, Judas was plagued with these thoughts, I've sinned against the Lord, I've wronged the Lord, I've lied, I've betrayed Jesus, there's greed in my heart, there's all of these different things I have, I've sinned against him, I even sold my soul, Judas was saying that, but I want to remind you, the good news is this, Jesus bought back that which Judas sold, his soul, Jesus bought it back on the cross. And I'm here to tell you today, maybe you don't understand what I'm saying. This is the good news of the gospel. First Corinthians chapter 6, it tells us he bought you at a price. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so you don't have to live shackled to shame. You don't have to live burdened. You don't have to live broken. You can walk in freedom. You are a child of God. I believe there's a generation today that just needs to be reminded the crushed soul, the burdened soul, the broken soul. It can't be fixed by self. It needs a savior. And friend, all you have to do is not sell your soul, but surrender your soul and seek God's face. You got to surrender your soul. You got to say, God, I need your help. God, I need your grace. God, I need your forgiveness. Father, would you come and do what only you could do? I believe I see so many people today that desire rest for their soul, but they don't know how to get rest for their soul. The first action is to confess your sin. The first action is to talk to God about your brokenness. The first action is to take that step and verbalize, make it known to God and to others. God, I'm struggling with this and I need your help. The second action is for you to repent. And when I say repent, that means acknowledge your sin and turn from your sin and go back to God. You see what Judas did, he acknowledged his sin, but he didn't go back to God. I, I don't think that's necessarily the problem for some of us, some of us, but what some of us are doing far too often, we acknowledge our sin. We say, God, I need your help, but we return back to our sin. We want to repent, but friend, you can't return back to your sin. You need God's help, you need healing from don't return back to your sin. Turn back to the Father who is faithful to see it through and bring healing to your life. I want to invite everybody to stand all across the room today because I want you to know tonight he is the God of grace, he is the God of forgiveness, he is the God of healing, he is the God of truth, he is the God who is faithful to bring hope. So whatever you're experiencing tonight, I want to speak freedom over that thing, I want to speak healing over that thing, and I want to remind you, you have a good, good father. So if you're in the room tonight and you're saying, I just need a good, good father, I need a relationship with Jesus, I need a healing to my soul, man, my soul feels heavy today, I just want you to raise both hands just like this. You see, this is the posture of surrender. This is acknowledging, God, I'm weak. God, I need your help. God, my soul is crushed. God, my soul is burdened. Father, I need you. God, I've sinned against you, but I know your grace meets me here today. And I want to pray over that thing that you're experiencing tonight. So God, I know that you are faithful. God, I know that you are a healer. God, I know you are a redeemer. God, I know you are my rock. God, I know you are my strength. God, I am not getting up. I'm not isolating. I've remained in seat at the table. I'm sitting at the table. Father, today, you see each and every hand. You see each and every need. You see the brokenness of our hearts. You see the brokenness of the soul. But God, we know you are faithful to cure. So Father, as a people of faith today, we declare not for a moment, we have been forsaken. You are a good, good Father. You are our rock. You are our healer. You are our redeemer. Come on, if you believe it tonight, lift your hands in posture of surrender. Let's sing it out. Come on, let's worship.